This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. All right, I guess I'll just start recording. Um, hey, everyone. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's wait a bit. Okay, actually, yeah, we'll just start. Okay, so, hi everyone, hello whoever's in here, hello, 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 welcome to the live stream. I'm about five minutes late because I just had a soccer game and I didn't even change out of my jersey. Uh, for those who are watching the live stream, my team is not Elite FC, I used to play with them, but shout out to James, you know who you are, the guy who founded the YUL Soccer League playing at Notre Dame, the high school, very good league. I played there for a season or two, very good. But anyway, so today's topic, I wanted to talk about uh, football and mental health. I'll keep this like maybe a 20, 30 minute podcast because I am hungry and I do want to go eat. But anyway, so uh, I've been, a lot of my friends have been asking me to do more of these live streams because they thought it was interesting. They thought it was fun. And honestly, why not? You know, we're doing this for fun anyway. And the last few days, there's been a lot of talks about athletes and mental health. And it's been a conversation that's been all over online. Hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen you in a long time. But yeah, anyway, so uh, mental health and sports has been something that's been talked about the last week or two. And it's been an interesting discussion. Uh, I myself is someone who loves to play soccer, loves to play sports, who likes to be active. Uh, I see only benefits of being... Um, actually benefits on the connection between mental health and sports and honestly I mean it makes sense right like what is the first thing you do if you're feeling depressed anxious or anything like that the first thing you do is go for a walk if not go for a walk you go for a jog go for a bike ride or go play sports go to the gym and what really triggered all this thinking for me was uh, three names uh, Samantha Biles the the lady who, well, the Olympian, rather, specifically the Olympian who pulled out the Olympics, the gymnastics, because she says she was feeling, you know, mental health issues. She wanted to back out. And I'll get to her discussion in a second, because that is a very popular discussion online. And then there was her. There was Christian Pulisic. Uh, Christian Pulisic wrote, I think, on an interview with ESPN. Samantha. Simone Biles. Thank you, Space Gaucho. <laughs> Jorge. <laughs> thank you. Um why do you think it's Samantha? That's such a white lady name. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so there was her. Christian Pulisic, he said online about how therapy helped him deal with his first year or two living in England by himself. And I thought that was a worthy subject. And, uh, and an Instagram post today by Chicharito. Uh, Chicharito or Javier Hernandez. Javier Hernandez is such a generic Spanish name, but uh, his nickname is Ch- uh, Chicharito. And... He wrote something because he's uh, he has some injury and he was talking about how sort of the mental health, not mental health, but the mental struggle of dealing with those injuries. And I really started thinking, I was like, I'd rather be physically injured than mentally injured. But then the more I thought about that for the top level athletes, uh, their mental, their physical health is intimately intertwined with their fit, with their mental health, because their entire ego, their entire mental strength and who they are as a person is all completely tied with uh, their physical well-being, you know? It's like their entire identity has everything to do with them being a strong athlete and being the top performer, being everything. 
and I remember watching a video of him just doing these recovery workouts and he how can I say he at the end of one of the workouts he just started crying breaking down and I thought it was like you know maybe very uh, Protestant way of thinking was just like oh come on man but at the same time it was it was not re- I didn't really realize at that moment how much one's physical strength is intimately intertwined with their mental health and you have to really you know respect that and and yeah just really respect that be sensitive about that at times and a lot of these athletes don't complain because they're self-aware that they make millions of dollars that they are loved that they you know they do what they love for as for a living and i wish they talked more about their mental health you know i mean we saw a lot of that the euros with the treatment of the black players on the england team and how they had to pretty much you know be away from their phones because of all the abuse racial abuse they were getting online and part of me is incredibly grateful that I don't have to be under that intense pressure, especially playing for England. I made this joke many times, but this joke really resonates with me. And there's some truth to it that England is really the Boston of European soccer fans. They're so unforgiving at times, but but that's kind of what English football is. The highs are incredibly high. The low are incredibly low. And sometimes when you talk about your mental ha- mental happiness, it you know a lot of that is not always good for you. You know, you kind of want some sort of stability. I mean, I, I myself, I'm, I'm so I, I've been seeing a therapist for the last two, three years, and I've been grateful and fortunate to be able to afford to see a therapist. And, you know, those years of going to therapy has really helped me become not just a better person, but also, funny enough, a better soccer player. I, I remember before seeing a therapist, I was sometimes not a good player to be around. You know, I would I would scream at my teammates if they were lacking, but like scream in a way that it was not helpful. Uh, I remember one of my friends, one of my good friends, he called me out on it. He was like, you can't scream at people like that. And I told him, I was like, it's nothing personal. You just got to get your shit together. And he's like, that's exactly what I'm saying is that we are trying our best and you're not, you know, you're not understanding that. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I'm kind of an asshole and I don't want to be an asshole. Not, none of us want to be. And, you know, it takes a, it takes a long time to change. So when it comes to sports, when you score a goal, you feel amazing by yourself. When you win a game, you feel amazing. I just came back and we just won a game. We were down 2-0 and we bounced back 6-3. But it was, I mean, the ref was garbage. I'm going to be honest. The ref was garbage. But our team and the other team agreed that the ref was stupid. And and anyway, so just going back to the topic of uh, mental health and football and or soccer, it's one of those games that will make you feel incredible. It's, it's soccer is one of those games that will make you feel like everything is right. You know, when you connect that right pass, when you make the right shot, when you just make the right connection with the ball, whether it's a pass, cross, shooting, you just feel so good about yourself, especially if you practice and you take time out of your day to practice and get better, knowing that you're not going to go pro. You just want to be a better player. So during this pandemic, when I couldn't play soccer, it, you know, it sucked. It, uh, I... I guess in a lot of ways, my the only affirmation of my masculinity was through the game. You know, I felt like a man when I played soccer, and it's a weird thing to say, but you know, that's just sports, I guess. And I'm I'm someone who never really cared about that thing about masculinity, and all that, because I always it was introduced to me in a very toxic way. But the more I think about it, it as a as a cisgender man, if you will, I mean, you know, you got to think about those things and. And if you take for soccer player or just not even just soccer player, any sports, you, you take the sport away from that individual and it, you know, it really rots them, not rots them, but like it really undermines how they feel. 
you know, we don't talk enough about feeling. How do you feel? How do you feel? And we always kind of, especially guys, we tend to relegate that to, um, I guess, in the realm of, of, of femininity or of women. And it's uh, people get turned off. But anyway, so every, anyone who is on this uh, watching the live stream, you can ask me any question if you want. Ask me anything. I don't, I'm, I'm an open book. It's like the best time to talk to me is probably after a soccer game because that's when I have the most clarity in my mind. And and yeah, so I want to turn against uh, I guess turn the attention to uh, Christian Pulisic and what he said earlier earlier this week, and he was saying how more people ought to go see a therapist or talk to a therapist and see what that's like and help them get through things. Because a lot of times it's easy to be alone and in your thoughts and just be on Twitter and just you know go down a rabbit hole that will just make you worse. In, in all honesty. A lot of people like to use the internet to escape, but uh, you got to balance that with internet and sports or something else. And he was saying how in his first year living in London by himself, it was a hard time. He had no friends, no one to talk to. He, you know, it's a new environment and he's still a young man of 23, 24 when he moved to London. And imagine yourself moving. I mean, I have a lot of friends who moved to, you know, moved to a new country for university by themselves. And I can only imagine what they went through. It must have been incredibly lonely. And um, and the more I think about his comment, a lot of people could easily relegate his feelings saying, but you're a multimillionaire. You know, you're Captain America, Christian Pulisic. Why do you care? Like, I mean, not why do you care, but why are you complaining? Shouldn't you be happy? You're playing football. You're doing what you love and you're not doing like a normal nine to five job. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you're feeling like shit, you're feeling like shit. You know, go see someone. Go talk to someone. For me, the, the, the benefit of therapy is that at least I got to meet and find the right therapist who um, who I can talk to without judgment, who I don't feel like is judging me and who who sees me objectively, you know, and who's not trying to break me down. I, I grew up in an environment, I don't want to say grew up in an environment, but I, I met a lot of people who I never felt comfortable talking about how I felt, you know, and it it is what it is. And... And that sucked. And you, you know, you could dwell on the past and say everyone I met was a shitty person, or you can just move forward and and find alternatives and solutions. You know, as for me, it was it was soccer. Soccer was that thing. I that was the only thing I got complimented on. That was the only thing that I almost felt value for myself. It was one of the few things where I felt good about myself, where I felt like I was worth someone, or worth something. My mind tends to go to a very, 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 very dark place many times a day. And soccer is one of those things that helps re- you know, regulate that and bring me back to reality and say like, no, people love playing with you. People love, people enjoy watching you play. At least I think, I, I hope people enjoy watching me play. But I don't know. I mean, it's a heavy subject. And I just came back from a soccer game and I'm feeling kind of high for just playing, you know, and enjoying the time and putting in the time of playing. You know, and um, and sometimes I wonder if we don't appreciate these athletes enough. You know, every time you meet an athlete and ask them what it takes to, you know, what it takes to become a professional, they always say there's a lot of sacrifice. And I, I can't even imagine the kind of sacrifice it requires for someone to get to that next level. But yeah, so. <clears throat> and going back to Simone Biles or Simone Biles. 
I, I remember when it was first introduced to me that someone had said that she was like a self-proclaimed goat of gymnastics and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, why, who has the audacity to call himself the goat? But it turns out she's incredibly amazing. I don't watch that sport, so I don't know. But it turns out she's amazing. And it turns out that, and it turns out that there's also kind of like a team aspect to the game and some people some the way it was introduced to me was that she was you know letting her team down by you know by i guess uh stepping away from the olympics for mental health reasons she said that the stress and the pressure was getting to her and i you know there's an argument to be said that as a professional athlete you need to be prepared for that that's what what it means to be pro athlete is that you're in a public eye all the time you're constantly criticized and scrutinized and you need to have a mental toughness about you if you want to get to that next level and honestly, I've met so many people who've got what it takes at a technical level to go professional. I've watched enough pro games live to know what it takes for you to be a pro, uh, to be at the pro level in terms of physical ability. But no one ever talks about or considers the mental aspect, what it takes to become pro. I remember having this discussion a long time ago with someone who said that, you know, he was talking crap about the Montreal Impact. Oh, everyone at Montreal Impact sucks. I know so many amateur players are way better than Montreal Impact players. Yeah, we've all seen those players and we've all said those things. But what those people always fail to mention is that the reason why those pro players are pro is two reasons. They were, or three rather. First one being they probably had their family, probably had enough money to put them through youth academies, get the best trainers, the best food, the best everything. And that's how they become pro. Uh, another, besides a physical and technical ability. Second is that they have the mental toughness. They have it despite the fact that they might not have the physical ability to be you know Cristiano Ronaldo or play the Premier League but the threshold of becoming pro is not just physical it's like can you can you can you take it can your ego take the beating every week to say that to hear 20 30,000 fans you know either chanting your name or trashing your name you know your ego is on the line all the time and that's a, that's a very fragile thing you can also say that you know that's all confidence. If you're a very confident person, you'll be fine. But sometimes your confidence will crack. And when it cracks, it's it's not pretty, you know? And then lastly, the third one is luck. You just got to be incredibly lucky. They say one out of a thousand kids will ever become pro. And a lot of that has to do with luck. And that's the one thing that I love about the beautiful game is that you can't, pre- you can't really prepare for luck. You just hope that it happens. That's why people believe in God, because you get so lucky, you're like, maybe there is a God out there. Who knows? I, you know, ask myself as someone who used to be a religious person, you know, whether though I believe in God or not is still uh, up for discussion. I, I always tell my friends I put Jesus on hold, and I, I believe that I did put Jesus on hold. It's funny because one of the persons on this live stream was my youth pastor, and I have a lot of, a lot of love for him. And um, he's actually the <laughs> the man who uh, the man who was on this live stream earlier. He was the one that brought me to Chad as a missionary. But for those that don't know, I, I used to be a missionary for like a amount I don't know how many years. And I was in Chad, and I played a lot of soccer in Chad. And I gotta be honest, I've been thinking a lot about my time in Chad, not just as a missionary, but playing soccer with the local Ch- Chadians. And it was some of the most fun I ever had. It was it was the most, it really was the most fun I ever had. I felt like an Anthony Bourdain moment. Oh yes, yeah, preacher. <laughs> and um, yeah, I really do miss Chad. It was really one of the most fun I ever had because that was the one thing I realized that soccer is genuinely a universal language that 
in Chad, they all speak French and being from Quebec, it was easy to communicate. But it was even if we didn't speak the same language, it was through football. We just communicated and understand how um, how how to play the game, but just also to um, I guess we learned a lot about each other as players and as people through the game. You know, you see a lot of people's insecurities. You see a lot of people's um, confidence and strengths and strives through soccer. The other day, this this past uh, Saturday or Sunday, I was playing pickup soccer with my you know with my sister's boyfriend and his friends, and we were playing pickup soccer. And there's one kid who just every time they pass in the ball, he had an Arsenal jersey. We just call let's call him Arsenal. Every time you pass Arsenal the ball, he would only dribble and never pass back. And then his excuse for every time messing up was, "Oh, I ate tacos and my stomach hurts." And then my sister's boyfriend just called him out, saying like, "Bro, you just have a shit attitude." And I was like, I. First off, he was kind of like a kid, and but at the same time, he wasn't wrong. Like, he, no excuse. You just, you just suck today, and that's fine. If the f- sometimes when you accept the fact that you suck, you get you get something to work on. And and thing about soccer, it's a technical game. So when you keep working on your technique, it just you will see improvement night and day. And then it it gives me a lot of um gratification yeah that's the word gratification to know that if i can hit that if i could bend the ball like beckham and if i just keep practicing at bending that ball it would be great and to everyone coming joining the live stream thank you for joining if you have any questions anything at all i'm an open book ask me anything i really don't mind um so yeah so soccer is a great thing and i love it and it's also one of those games that it taught me a lot about cultures you know different cultures play the game differently different cultures view the game differently and different cultures have a different um preference on how to play the game if you watch the british play very physical i remember this one time my friend uh, julian mckenzie shout out to him he's a he's a reporter for the athletic his cousins for he has a cousin from london and this one year his cousin came from london to uh just for for holidays and we were playing soccer with him and he's a west ham fan and i remember just being excited i was like man first time playing with a british guy and <laughs> and i remember playing with him and we we're just playing for fun and his it is like soft tackle was like a hard tackle and i was so surprised and i was like you call that so I, I wasn't like mad but i asked him i was like that's how you play in england like that's what you call a soft tackle and he was like yeah and i was like god damn that's a world of difference of how we play in canada and oh what's this oh i got a question most overrated player in history and vice versa uh that's by mazin maz shabazz he's also he does he's a stand-up comedy as well very funny (laughs) thank you (laughs) um most underrated player in history oh that's a really good question um it's hard to say everyone's getting flowers when it comes to soccer uh everyone who oh wow that's a really good question i would say let me think on that. I, I really I really need to think about that. Who is Oh, you know what? I'm okay, here's an easy bias. Some people will say cop out answer. In MLS, it, this is just MLS cuz like in every league there is an underrated player. But in MLS and Major League Soccer, that is Nacho Piatti. Ignacio Piatti, he used to play for Montreal number 10. Underrated player, underappreciated player. I don't think people Oh, what about overrated player? So underrated player is Nacho Piatti. Overrated player Oh man, that's uh it's hard to say. Um 
I feel like everyone's kind of overrated because everyone's so overhyped and overpriced for no stupid. Like, I mean, Pogba was sold for two hundred million when he isn't worth that much. Uh, I, uh, if I were to say, give you a controversial answer, Serge Gnabry or Leroy Sané at Bayern Munich. I don't like. I don't even like that answer. I, I don't think they're overrated. I just. Eh, I don't know. It's it's a loaded question. What type of character? Oh, this is by Very Mahari by Carabel. Hey, uh, what type of character or personality makes a good coach? That's a good question. Uh, what type of character or personality makes a good coach? Okay, if you've watched uh, Last Chance You on Netflix, that's a uh, Last Chance You. It's it's all about football coaches and it's about um. It's about like players who just kind of players who could make it to like Division One football, then and then later to the NFL. Uh, those players who have like personality problems or whatever, they get sent down to like lower division football teams, and that that series tells you a lot about what makes a good coach. And for me, the best kind of coach or the best kind of personality is a coach who can adapt his coaching ability to each individual player. You get coaches that just love to scream, 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 scream. Yeah, season one is amazing. I love season one of uh, Last Chance You. And so you get coaches who could scream a lot. But you, what the kind of coach that I want is to is the kind of coach who can fit his uh, teaching. Let's call it teaching. He could fit his teaching method to the individual player. Some players need to be screamed at. Some players need to be talked to softly. Other players need to be given some sort of incentive, saying like, "Yo, uh, you played like shit." But it's okay because you are an amazing player, and this is what you need to do for next game: be more constructive, be more objective. Some players need to be coddled; other players need to need to be screamed at. And to me, that's the best kind of coach who can really tap into the human you, who understands you, who understands what makes you, gets the best out of you. My favorite teachers growing up is a teacher who sees you not as just some annoying student, but as this person that could become a better person at you know. Th- by being a student, if you understand what I'm saying, they don't just see you as a student, but they just see they see you as a person, as a kid who is learning. And coaches who tune into that get the best out of players. So if I were to think of a coach who does that best, I think Klopp, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, is is that kind of guy. Like if you, I'm I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm obviously biased. But when you see his coaching method, it is completely catered to each individual player. There's some players he screams at, and you can see on the sidelines. There's some players he like hugs them, hypes them up. He's like, "You're good," because he inherited a a Liverpool team of losers. Honestly, like this Liverpool team was was that he inherited wasn't that great. So yeah, uh, that's a good question, and and I feel like when it comes to especially on the topic of mental health, you want the coach who understands how to work with that ecosystem in your mind. You know, every mind is like a different ecosystem, and you don't want to, and you want that to stay balanced. You know, every religion talks about having a balanced lifestyle of some sort, and a lot of that has to do with um, understanding how to navigate tumultuous waters, if you will. And I think Klopp does that well. Anyway, so if you have any other questions, shoot them anytime. Uh, ask me anything, even personal questions towards me, I don't mind. But I'm gonna keep talking and. <laughs> But yeah, so I I I think my generation of players we're kind of on the threshold of people who are starting to learn more about mental health and take it more seriously. Um, as a matter of fact, I knew um, 
I, I knew a guy I used to play soccer. I never really played with him, but I played against him, and he was also a referee for a lot of my games. And he he passed away recently, and I don't I don't want to talk too much about it. And he passed away recently. He committed suicide. And and when I think about mental health, I hadn't I knew he was going through some things. I've heard through the soccer community, if you will, that he was going through some things. And to hear that he passed away, it was um. It was heartbreaking for me. I wasn't the closest to him, but I mean, it was, you know, it's, you never know what people go through. And sometimes I wish that, sometimes I always thought that just playing soccer could solve all those things, but it doesn't. And it's okay. I mean, I mean, it's not okay, but I mean, it's, it's life. So for me, like, so, that that's why I love soccer so much is that I meet so many different people and you, and you, and when you win as a team, it's, it's an incredible feeling. The team I'm on right now that I just played with, it's uh, I've been playing with them for the past like five, six years. And at first we were just individuals, like really, we were just individuals learning how to play with each other. And I remember as soon as we get scored on, our like our, men- our, our mental uh, collectiveness would just crumble. We would, if we get scored on. And we would just, you just, all the air of the room was sucked out. You know, all the energy was sucked out of us. And we were just like, oh man, we're not going to win this. We're not going to win this. But through years of playing together and gaining experience and just like becoming men, if you will, we learned how to overcome that, that obstacle. You know, like today we were down to nil, but we didn't give up. We were like, no, no, we, we got this. We got this. We can bounce back. And this is the second time this happened to us this season. We were going down 2-0. I mean, there's one game we went down with a red card in the first five minutes because of a handball. And but we didn't we didn't say, oh, we're screwed, the game is over. We we didn't say that. We said, okay, it's a challenge. We could do this. And we won that game. And today we were down 2-0. And we said, okay, we know their weaknesses. The goals that got scored against us was our mistake, and that's something we have control over. We could bounce back, and we did bounce back. We won six three. Granted, the referee was fucking garbage, but whatever. That doesn't change the fact that we won. And and you know, more and more, you 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 meet people who give up easy, who uh, yeah, you meet people. A lot of people who tend to give up easy. So you know, I'm like that too. Sometimes, sometimes I just give up easy, and I'm like you know discouraged, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this, and I'm like deflated. And when I think about how I am at soccer, I'm not like that in soccer. And I, I, I got to constantly remind myself to keep applying that to my personal life is that, hey, man, you got hit once. That's fine. Keep going forward. You know, be in the, stay in the pocket. If I, I guess using boxing terminology, just stay in the pocket and just keep moving forward. Now I'm just thinking about that, uh, that Rocky Balboa speech. That's how winning is done. You know, th- that one from like, I think Creed or Rock or whatever Rocky sequel sequel. But yeah, um. I kind of went off tangent. I, I was supposed to talk more about mental health, but to be honest, it's um, it's a tricky subject because I'm not an expert on mental health. I'm someone who still struggles with his mental health, and I'm still trying to figure my shit out. You know, I wake up every day with anxiety, and that's okay. You know, you, there there are, there are methods to deal with that. You know, I'm on a CBD treatment, if you will. I've 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 completely cut back from smoking weed because it's just it's been it. It, it wasn't good. It wasn't getting good for me. And I was developing a, an addiction, if not already having an addiction towards marijuana. So I had to cut that out. Now I'm on the CBD treatment. I call it the CBD, uh, the CBD treatment where I could feel like, my, you know, get my, get my head right and be, get healthier, you know, and get back to being the bad, the, the soccer player that I once was or always was and rediscover that. And 
and uh, we, we, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about mental health. I mean, collectively as a culture and as a society, we're taking it more seriously, and I'm grateful that we are. But, um, but let's not forget that sports is such a great way of helping you deal with that and just, you know, move forward and help yourself through that uh, difficulty. So I'm kind of hoping that. So I'm looking forward for all the European leagues to come back because that's a it's a fun distraction. Uh, Canada's playing. Uh, the Canadian women's team is playing at Sweden for the gold medal at the Olympics, and it's on Thursday at 10 p.m., so please check that out. And Montreal is playing against Atlanta United on MLS, uh, to, not tomorrow, Thursday, no, Wednesday. They're playing Wednesday at 7 p.m., I think, or 9 p.m. I need to double-check that, so that's also some, something fun to watch. And yeah, and it's... um, Yeah, and I think that's a... Actually, oh, hello to all who just joined us. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask any questions if, towards me, about me, or anything else, whatever's on your mind. I don't, you know, I'm an open book. But yeah, so if you've been watching Olympics, uh, kudos to you for waking up at like 4 a.m. to be watching all those Olympic stuff. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. I always forget to watch it or tune in. And oftentimes when it's happening, I'm either at work or I'm at bed. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, Sorry, brain fart. But um, when I... Man, it's really crazy to think that... Imagine you're a pro player and you are in a stadium with 50,000 people, you make one mistake and everyone just is on you. This happened actually recently. I was watching Montreal versus Cincinnati, the crazy game where Montreal won 5-4. Like, it was an insane game. And James Pantamis, the goalkeeper, he made a mistake in the first in the first half, made the first 10 minutes. I, ugh, it was such a bad mistake where a ball was passed back to him, to, to the goalkeeper, to Montreal goalkeeper James Pantamis. He controlled the ball on his foot, and he's kind of like taking his time looking who to pass to. But then he gets pressured by the op- by the opposing striker. The opposing striker uh, pre- presses him, and kicks the ball under, kicks the ball off his feet, and it goes into the net. And I remember just looking and thinking, like, how what are you doing? Like as a goalie, like the first rule, like one of the first things I learned about playing soccer is that you gotta keep the ball moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. The more you keep the ball moving, the harder it is for the other team to to win it. And it the less likely you'll have a turnover. And he didn't do that. And I remember the entire stadium just kind of turned on him. It was 5,000 people, so it was still limited capacity. But all 5,000 Montreal fans sort of just turned on him being like, what the fuck, bro? But at the same time, there's still an uh, undercurrent of optimism saying, like, you know what? We'll bounce back. We'll bounce back. And... It was kind of awkward for me because his family, James Pantamus, his entire family was sitting right behind me. And I was just thinking, okay, don't be an asshole. Don't say anything rude. Just like be supportive. But it was this, it was um, disappointing. At the end, Montreal won. But what was funny throughout the, <laughs> throughout the game was that whenever someone passed the ball back to James Pantamus, the entire Saputo Stadium was just like nervous. You feel the nervousness uh, just like in the air. Tension was 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 there and it was hilarious but you know he's not a first choice goalkeeper because our first choice goalkeeper Clement Diop is injured and in that moment when I think about James Pantamis and how he must have felt alone goalkeeping is I have a lot of respect for goalkeepers because goalkeeping is 
one of the loneliest jobs, if not the loneliest jobs in team sports, whether it's hockey or soccer or what, what have you. It's when you make a mistake, that's on you. Sometimes you could blame the defender. That's fine. But most of the time, it's you and you're alone. If you're playing a midfield defense forward, you could kind of blame others. You'd be like, it's not entirely my fault. He gave me a bad pass. It's not entirely my fault because he didn't like he didn't have my back. But when you're a goalie, you make a mistake. That's you, bro. Like, there's nothing you could do. And the feeling he must have had was he just probably wished a hole just hold. He just fell into a hole and can, you know, have a blanket over his head and just, you know, get away from that. But the truth is you're alone and your 5,000 fans are upset with you and nothing you could do besides, you know, try to clutch it out with every save. And that's why when it comes to mental health, goalies must have the toughest, toughest, toughest mental strength the strongest mental strikes for a goalie oh i got a question from mr chung who's the best goalkeeper you know <laughs> fucking guy who's the best goalkeeper you know in the montreal korean soccer league that's a baited question because he this guy who asked this question used to be my goalie and um i kind of don't want to give him the satisfaction right now <laughs> um i would say you know what yeah fine it was you it was eric chung was the best goalkeeping goalkeeper in the Montreal Korean Soccer League. Thibaut Courtois was dead. Oh, yeah, he's a great... I seen him play live, Thibaut Courtois, for Real Madrid. And he he's incredible. He's tall. He's like six foot seven, six foot eight. That Belgian guy is huge. I don't know what they're feeding the people in Belgium and Netherlands, but those people are tall, especially the Dutch. The Dutch are mad tall. Maybe because they live in a country that's so low, so they got to compensate by being taller. I mean, their, their country is literally sinking. And also because of climate change and water elevation. And anyway, we don't need to talk about that. And <laughs> hello, Mike. Long time no talk. <laughs> but yes. Um, well, yeah, there's a great, great uh, YouTube video. Uh, Belgian fries. <laughs> no, I'm not clipping that chat. <laughs> um, we'll all clip that chat. Um, was, oh, yeah, there's a great, 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 great YouTube video. There's a great YouTube video. Uh, I think it's by The Guardian or BBC. And they interviewed this uh, an ex-goalkeeper, an ex-Premier League goalkeeper. And they were ta- they were asking him about what is it like to be a goalkeeper. And he he said something in that, that it was only a three-minute video. But it, it, it's, it's, still not, it's still on my mind every so often when I think about mental health and mental strength of goalkeeping and just professional players. And he was saying that, he was pretty much saying the same thing, is that it is the loneliest job on the planet. You know, as I was just saying before, if you're a defender, you can blame your other defenders or your midfielders for not helping you on defense. You know, if you're forward and, you know, you miss an opportunity to score, you could be like, oh, you can look back at your other players and be like, that was a bad pass or you didn't pass to me and, you know, all those things. And that's really kind of like egos collide. But when it comes to goalies, there's no, <sighs> that's you, man. I mean, you could blame your defenders for not defending you properly, but at the same time, if you make that save, but the ball just goes like this, the ball just, you know, bends your hand and it still goes into the net, that's you. As a goalie, that's you for not being strong enough, for not being there quick enough, for not being tall enough. Yeah, it takes a certain kind of character, that's for sure. You're right, Mike. It really does. That's why That's why every time you meet professional players, they always say goalkeepers are kind of weird because they are. They're in their own little thing and they have to be. So whenever, so whenever I see a player having a bad game, you know, as a fan, I just get at him. But at the same time, I'm not going to go online and abuse them because I understand for them, that's the job. And I understand that they're, they're also human beings. 
you know when when you see players just abuse like especially in Europe where they abuse the you know when fans abuse the players it's for me it's hard to watch because I'm like you're kind of forgetting the humanity of these guys you know and all you're seeing is them being superstars and making money driving nice cars having all these hot girlfriends and what have you you know they're still guys at the end of the day and they're just you know you know, sometimes it's sad, but at the same time, it's um, when you see them bounce back, is it, it makes you happy. I've heard stories where a lot of pro players, once they retired, they threw all their soccer stuff in the garbage. They're like, I want nothing to do with this game anymore. And it says it's, it, that should tell you something about how an industry could kill the thing you love, you know. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard to take in at times, but it is what it is. Thank you for all those who are joining into the live stream. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask anything. Ask me anything at all, whether it's soccer or, uns or unrelated to soccer or not. I don't, I really don't care. Well, I do care, but it doesn't matter because, you know, we're here to talk. And I'm going to try to do this a weekly thing, a live stream every week. Maybe not on Mondays because I, I play soccer on Monday nights, so it might be a little bit of a rush. But uh, I want to do this every week because this is, I'm actually enjoying myself. This is fun. I I'm, I'm a, my mind is kind of like an internal monologue, so it's good to just shoot it all out whenever I can. But yeah, um, but yeah, man, goalies. <laughs> I, I I remember when I first started playing soccer, I was uh, I used to play defense. I used to play uh, right back uh, in the Montreal Korean League, and it was more it was weird because at the time playing defense was either. If you're very good at defense, then you should play defense. But if you're first playing soccer, they almost put you on defense because on defense you don't need to be, you don't need to have the lightest, you don't, you don't need to have the lightest touch. You just have to be strong and you know intercept the ball and just kind of do the very basics of the game. And I was 16 and I was playing with guys that were like in their 20s, late 20s, way older than I was, and I had to learn how to keep up with older guys. And I sometimes um. I'd get very hard on myself. Every time I'd make a mistake, I would just like beat myself up and just be really angry with myself. Almost to a point it was abusive. And I remember the captain of the of my of the soccer team, the Korean League, his name is Timmy. Shout out to Timmy. He'd always send me aside. He was like, you know, it's okay, man. It's just soccer. It's just this don't forget that you're supposed to have fun when you play. And I told him, I was like, I can't have fun if we don't win. And he was like, That's good. But at the same time, don't beat yourself up. There's always the next game. And then you could between now and the next game, you could practice so you don't make these same mistakes again. And there are moments where, even of recent times, where I'm just incredibly hard on myself. I'm punching the post. I'm punching myself. And I'm just, like, getting really angry. And and sometimes you you need someone to tell you. It's like, hey, man, not to not to shame you for doing that, but to let you know. It's like, hey, dude, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You'll be fine. Like, yeah, you made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Don't do it like <laughs> it's such an asshole thing to say. It's okay, just don't do it again. But it's kind of <laughs> it's it's more of a. It, I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at. But at the same time, it's like um, it's okay. Just learn, pivot. You know, use that energy to get better, to work on it. Because I used to beat myself up a lot, and I and I still do, and I'm still very hard on myself, and that's something I'm working on. Not to you know, to love myself more as opposed to hate myself. What's this? It's not fun unless we do what we did. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Um, it's not fun unless we do what we did to that team tonight. Oh, man. But you know what? Like, ah, the ref was garbage. That was a bad ref. Yeah, stupid ref. Um, oh, yeah. Mike, Mike Bellows is on my, on my soccer team. And I was just sharing how 
in the past, if we get scored on one, if we get scored on first, if it's like, let's say we go down one nil or two nil in the first half, we just collapsed. You know, now we're a team that bounces back. We're a team that, we're a team that knows what to do. We we don't freak out. We we stay composed. We get the job done, and we you know we do good. So you know, I, I like where we're at right now as a collective, as a team, especially with the new players we've added to our team. It's just made us better, better, and better. I, I love it. And if um if there's anything I learned from Toronto slang is uh if you're looking good, they said oh you're feeling yourself, and. I have to constantly remind myself that that's how I want to be when I play soccer. You know, I want to feel good. I want to be happy. Even when I lose, at least I want to feel something, feel positive. So, yeah. What time What time do we do? Oh, we're at 40 minutes. Oh, impressive. 40 minutes of straight talk. I'm impressed with myself. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think I'm going to end it here because it's, uh, it's 11.15 and I am getting hungry. So, to everyone... So to everyone who are tuned into this live stream, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to try to do this every week. I'm actually enjoying this. This is a lot of fun. I'll do this every week. And as always, thank you for being an audience. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the support. I love all you guys for coming in and tuning in. Even those who dropped in to just say hi and show the support, then bounce. I appreciate that too. That's That means a lot for me. Thanks, Opa. Yes, I am your Opa. <laughs> anyway, so... I don't. I always forget how to end this live stream. Do I click this? Do I? Oh no, that's not it. Oh, do I click the X? Anyway, bye everyone.